0: Welcome to the Cities on the Frontline, urban exchange podcast. We've created this space for city leaders and urban practitioners to come together for a few minutes to share the opportunities and challenges they are grappling with as they drive transformative change in cities today. I'm Lauren Sorkin, executive director of the Resilient Cities Network. We are a city-led network of nearly a hundred city members around the world working to build urban resilience that enables cities to thrive no matter the shock or stress faced. And I'm pleased you've joined us for this episode hosted with our partner, Smart Cities World, with sponsorship from our friends and co-conspirators in urban resilience, the World Bank. Cities are truly on the front line of delivering a future that is resilient, sustainable, economically robust, healthy and equitable for all of us. It is no small charge. At the Resilient Cities Network, we provide forums like this to bring together knowledge, practice and partnerships that support and encourage city leaders and urban practitioners in their efforts. Now, over to my co-host, Paul Wilson, Chair of the Smart Cities World Advisory Board.
1: Thanks, Lauren. It's great to be doing this with you. I'm Chair of Smart Cities World's Advisory Board. And every year, more than a million people read Smart Cities World and 30,000 people are members, gaining access to special reports and content. Members include officials from more than a thousand cities with new members every single week. And in the day job, I'm Chief Business Officer at Connected Places Catapult, the UK's innovation accelerator for cities, transport and places. Together, we're sharing ideas that solve urban challenges, bringing people together from the public, private, academic, and not-for-profit sectors. Our Urban Exchange podcast will take us around the world to meet people working on the front line. Welcome to this sixth episode of Cities on the Front Urban Exchange where Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, an advisory board member of Smart Cities World, catches up with the city of Medellin mayor, Daniel Quintero. This year, Medellin has become one of the first eco cities in Latin America. And the mayor talks about the innovative solutions that are advancing urban resilience, especially the areas of youth engagement and public transport. Let's get going.
2: Welcome, Mayor Cantero. We are so excited to have you on this episode of, of the podcast. You, as an individual, are such an inspiration uh, for folks around the world. Being the youngest mayor of Medellin, pursuing education the way you did, the, the life you've led, it, it really is an inspiration. I hope we get a chance to talk about that. We have a short 20 minutes to cover a lot of topics, so we'll see how well we do. But first, I wanted to just start with getting your perspective of how mayors and cities in general can engage with their citizens in a more collaborative fashion to create a more resilient future. You know, the the first thing I
3: think is in almost every city in the world, the biggest problem with mayors and in general governors is that they have a problem to understand what is happening with people, what people is feeling, what questions they are making. And I think what the pandemic make in some way was to connect in a different way, a connection that usually would take going to the streets and for many social workers to try to get information or are happening in social networks, in communities. So what I think mayors have to do is to get involved more in technology and in social network and obviously connect with people, try to solve The point they're having right now, I think after pandemic, there is this feeling that we can change many things. When we were in the pandemic, we were able to change things that usually would take a lot of time to change. So we changed it. So now people are saying we can do it again. And how we did that? By working together, by uh, recognizing that leaders and governors are A leader that can that have the power to sign up to to send signups to the society so we work together through specific goals?
2: You know, I mean clearly this pandemic has affected every corner of the the globe. And as you said, it really highlights that that opportunity for leadership. You know, as as the leader of, of your city, I'm just wondering, did you see, as you just described, did you see that this pandemic not only creates that opportunity to do things quickly in response, but if what I'm hearing you say is that it also is opening the door to do things more quickly in preparation for the future, meaning not in response to another threat, but to prepare and become more resilient in a more proactive way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in pandemic,
3: but let, let me tell you a little bit about the story of the pandemic in, in Medellin. Uh, Medellin probably was one of the first cities to recognize in Colombia that that was a threat. So we were able to say people to be brutally honest and say people we're having a problem. The problem is bigger than we can expect. Uh, And we had to start moving forward. The second step we did was we need data to solve problems. So we start collecting data. Medellin probably has the biggest database that any city in Latin America have, three and a half million people give their information, location, where, who, with who they live uh, without any uh, law enforcement. They did it voluntarily. So why we were able to do that? Because we have the trust of people. So now we have another challenges. Now we have the climate change, which is now the the, the new pandemic and it's even worse. So now what we're doing with people is saying, look, we're having an even worse problem. It's gonna be most costly, and we need to work again together to solve problems. And data again is becoming
2: essential to solve those problems. So, you know, at Leading Cities, uh, we work with cities around the world and, and we work with entrepreneurs, That's something I know you know a bit about, to really help them to become more resilient, more sustainable communities through the use of innovative solutions and new technologies. I'm wondering what opportunities for building resilience through recovery have you seen? And and specifically, what lessons in your experience leading the city of Medellin through such a, a critical and challenging moment in its history, could you share with others? Medellin is a special case of resilience. Medellin was the
3: dangerous city ever in the world, uh, never overcome by any other city, just to have uh, a clue of what I'm talking about. Today, the most dangerous city in the world is Samora in Mexico. It has 193 Murders per every one hundred thousand people. So, Medellin in the dangerous times in the nineteen ninety four, it was four hundred. That rate was four hundred. So, any city ever had reached that number. So, and we can move from being the dangerous city in the world to be like the city, the most innovative city in the world. And now, what the pandemic did was like a reset. So, it's like a Uh, start again in the pandemic we were able for example to create our own ventilators so it was expected for a developing city like medellin that we would not be able to to build ventilators or many technologies that we use to to save lives and what we're seeing right now is that this energy is still there so for example in the unemployment rate The reduction is incredible. Now we're in a lower employment rate than before the pandemic. A lot of entrepreneurs are thinking about uh, how to solve many problems. And I can say something. Probably one of the, the triggers of that is that in pandemic, we say we have a problem. We need the ecosystem. We need the entrepreneurs here with us working. And now we're doing the same not just for climate change but for many other problems in the city uh, violence and others and we have because of that uh, reductions in in the problems uh, an incredible rate just just to talk about murders we have a 30% murder reduction so now medellin has lower rate than many cities in united states
2: There's so much more to a city in these recent years than just dealing with the pandemic. And there's, this has really opened up an, a whole new world of opportunity for, for communities to tackle other large challenges. I mean, whether it's the inequities that exist in communities to climate change, which equally affects all of us. <laughs> How are these challenges of equity and climate security interconnected with one another and do you see that the invigorated spirit that came out of the kind of the can do attitude uh, to tackle changes is making it more possible to resolve these issues, as big as they may be? I love to think Medellin as a platform, a lot full of problems. Uh,
3: but at the same time, I think we have had incredible people to solve problems. Why Medellin was able to move from being the dangerous city in the world to the city that, that is now today because of people. Not because of government, but because of the people in the city were able to connect each other. So what is my goal in the city? is to send signals to the entrepreneurs and to the social NGOs and others saying, we need you to solve these problems. We need to work together. And actually, those are the problems. Many times, entrepreneurs, what they don't have, is the knowledge about exactly what are the problem we have right now. Not the general ones, but uh, the more specific ones. So I think after what we live in the pandemic, we have this energy. This energy there and what I'm trying to do right now is to keep it uh, on fire. So, so people, have, after solving the pandemic problem, now is solving other uh, inequality, violence, and others.
2: And so you've set this goal, this vision of being an eco city, which is something that I'm a big believer in and and love the leadership you've brought to this topic. As a driving force in the transformation of Medellin towards Latin America's first eco city, what are your goals and vision and how are you approaching that in the context of of building resilience? Well, I would say that the goal, the the objectives of the
3: city is to reach 50% reduction in 2030. But I think that is not enough. Uh, Medellin has to become the first city, probably in Latin America, to become a city that which uh, the, There's no cars that use fuel to, to move, that they, use, they don't use f- fossil fuel. Medellin has to be a city, an electric city in general. But even more important, it has to be a city in which every kid, every company understands what is the problem and what is their role to solve the problem. So I used to, right now we are giving a computer to every child in the city and every young guy in the, in, and girl in the city. Uh, and I try to show them what is happening in the world when we are giving the computer. thousand kids, is. we're talking about 150,000 computers, so I, I call all the kids with their parents to receive the computer, but they have to receive a conference in which I tell them what happened in, in the job market because the fourth industrial revolution, but at the end of the presentation, I say, okay, I showed you the challenges, the job challenges, but I want to show you the most important challenge you're going to have as generation." and it's climate change. And because this is not just uh, cultural, the, the change we need is not just cultural, re- reducing consumption, no. It's how we change technologies. And the question is who's who is gonna change, who's gonna implement, deploy those technologies. I say to them, you are the one who has to change the old technologies and to introduce the new ones. So as generation, you have to do that.
2: So I don't disagree with that at all. I think education is so important, which is why uh, your own personal pursuit of education has, I think is so inspiring. One of the second factors that I always look to, at least in thinking about the accessibility people have, whether it's to education or to basic services, is transportation. And, and it's, it's easy to overlook it. It's easy to take it for granted. But if you don't have it, it can be absolutely debilitating. So your city is set to deliver the Metro de la Edy by 2027, you know, just five years from now. And and it's expected to benefit about 30% of the city directly um, just by providing expanded opportunities for transportation. And it's not just about getting from one place to another, right? Transportation is so much more than that. It's it's about creating economic mobility, equity, improved health, and, and so many other things. So as Medellin is setting an example for cities around the world to follow. How does this project improve Medellin's resilience and what can other cities learn from this example? I think the most important lesson from this is that
3: it doesn't matter where the economical situation. If the project is worth it for the city and the social impact, you can do it. In the 80s and 90s, when Medellin was the most violent city in the world, we were building actually the only metro in Colombia. There's n- any other city in Colombia has a metro. So in the 80s and 90s, we were building the metro and, and it's now 25 years old. So in the pandemic, we say we were very scared that because the pandemic, people stopped talking about climate change and doing efforts to resolve climate change and what we found was the contrary. So everyone was willing to work in climate change projects. So I say, okay, we are gonna need jobs in our city. A lot of jobs because the pandemic destroyed many. So why we don't start creating jobs in projects that that solve other problems that we have? So for example, in mobility and transportation. So let's create a a metro line through the areas that the city doesn't have metro lines. But not just metro line, metro cable that we just finished, a bicycle route that is going to connect the far north to the far south of the city. And in general, many environmental projects that are creating jobs, but are at the same time solving the problems of the present and future. There is climate change. Solar, for example, the solar energy, for the very first time, we are building uh, 80 megawatts plants of solar energy plants. So it's, it's amazing what is happening in Beijing.
2: The biggest challenge for innovation in, in city government is always status quo. It's accepting the status quo, which is always the easy path, right? What you described earlier, and what we've seen at leading cities throughout the world, is the pandemic forced city leaders, business leaders, community leaders, families to think differently, to not accept the status quo, to change things, to innovate, to to just think outside the box. And what you've just described in, in the presentation you you provide this new generation of of young people who will be tomorrow's leaders it's really empowering them, right? What you have done is empowered the young people in the city of Medellin to not accept the status quo, but to help shape their future. I, I know you've, you've engaged with, with young people and as part of an overall, I'll call it a strategy, but I, that, that sounds too nefarious, you know, I, but just a mindset maybe of engaging members of your community. What role has working with the community, especially young people, played in your experience as mayor? Well, the problem in, in Medellin and in Colombia was that politicians used
3: not to work with the young people because they didn't vote. And we're just, we're especially focused on them. Because w- what I think and what we believe is that they have the power to change everything. I, I have a, a saying is, uh, the future looks like you when I talk to them. So how do you want the future looks like? And I completely focus on them. What are you doing with them? So not just giving a computer, not just giving a, a pitch about the future, trying to inspire them, trying to send signals. But for example, uh, giving education for free. That was a lux. Education was a luxury in Medellin. I'm giving education for free. I'm completely sure for tackling climate change, inequality, education is the key. So that's where I'm doing.
2: The challenges we face today from pandemics to the climate crisis and everything in between requires citizens to really be on board, right? To be the future they want to be, to look like the future they want to see. That means they have to educate themselves. They have to participate in that co-creative process of creating and establishing new solutions. How is Medellin using education as a pillar to drive this change? And, and what youth groups specifically are you working with to build that resilient future? I'm working with all ages.
3: Um, I, I taking the opportunity, the, 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 the computer strategy, we call one computer per child strategy as a chance to change also education and, and not just to talk with the student, but with the parents and put them to work together. Uh, we put the biggest budget in education in history in the city and we are sending signals. I think many mayors don't understand the power of them to send messages, to send signals, not just to the youth, but companies and others. So all the time i sending this message, we want to change our uh, industry, like we're a commodity industry, we're moving to a, a knowledge industry. So we're becoming not just an eco-city, but a software body. And actually it's happening. In 2019, when I was I was a mayor, using one university, Pascual Bravo, 60 students getting to IT careers uh, this year in the same university, just for one semester, 820 students choose IT careers. So, and why that happen? Because since the beginning, I started sending that message. We, ha- we are becoming a software valley. Uh, we have to solve many problems and we have to use technology to solve those problems. So, Uh, It doesn't matter if it's electric cars, solar plants, or uh, artificial intelligence. So you have to be part of the solution. Uh, What I say to the students is, uh, learn and choose a problem, love that problem, and solve it.
2: Government in general is often criticized for being too slow or or being slow at, at all not being open to transformative change and utilizing new technologies. As a former entrepreneur yourself, I mean, you know what it's like to to have an idea, to, to push it, to to make the most of it. What suggestions might you have to other mayors or to entrepreneurs where city government and entrepreneurs, startups can work better together to achieve some of these big challenges?
3: I think the most important thing is realize, understand that you doesn't know all the answers. It doesn't matter how much did you study or how old are you? You don't have all the answers. You need to use the ecosystem. You need to use the innovation ecosystem of your city. You have to be specific about what are your problems and write down those problems and show those problems the ones that knows how to solve it. So what is happening in Medellin is by doing that we're actually not just signalling the ecosystem to solve our problems but also making many students be interested on in working on our alcalde on our municipality. So this is very important because if you want to overcome bureaucracy, you need new people also. So open the, the gates and let students and young people to get into your company or your municipality.
2: What advice would you have to any mayor, anywhere in the world to move their community towards a more resilient future? I would say trust um, people,
3: be completely honest with people. Additionally, connect with others. In pandemic, for us, was very important to connect with other mayors. So we were not just looking for solutions inside, but connecting with others outside. Sometimes eh, it is very important to talk with other mayors because they, they know sometimes how you are feeling. In pandemic, it was hard because everyone was expecting you to solve all the problems, you to know all the solutions. And it was hard to say, hey, guys, even though... You would like me to have all the solution. I don't have it. I need you. So trust some people and trust that your community has many or the solution that you need.
2: I can't even imagine what a personal toll that takes on, on someone in your position to to feel the pressure of an entire community expecting you to have every answer when the world itself is trying to find a single answer. It was It was really hard. Actually,
3: I was in a meeting with many mayors in New York, and it was everyone start talking. Like every mayor was start talking, and it was it was quite emotional because we, all we were feeling the same, like the stress, the uh, how hard it was, how hard it, it is already. Uh, but at the same time, you feel the uh, the happiness of saying okay we did all that we can do and there are lives that had been saved because the solution we we took hard very hard closing companies restricting liberties uh, so it was hard we were not electing to say people you cannot talk with others you cannot get in touch with others i i have to close your company but at the end uh, when you see probably how, how many lives you, you save, that's crazy and that's amazing. But more important, how also society changes, how we can take that energy to solve other problems. I think that's the most important thing.
2: And that's a perfect way to end it because you're right. This This pandemic for the tragedy it created, as the future continues to unravel, we will see that the, the momentum it has given us, uh, the trust it has given us amongst each other, and the the hope that we now have for a better future is is going to carry us to that better future uh, in ways that I don't think we could have done, uh, at least not as quickly, perhaps, uh, without the pandemic. So it's not without its its price, of course. But the the inspiration that you and and others around the world have given to your communities uh, certainly gives the people of your community, the the reason to trust in government, the reason to hope for that better future, and the reason to take part. And that's, I think, your important message that I've heard from you is that we all have a role in this and that we have to take an active uh, position, not just a passive uh, seat in watching the future of our community create itself. That's right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This has really been a a, a really honor for me personally, but also I think all of our listeners will will be as inspired by you and the message you've shared with us today as I have been. Thank you. And please keep up the great work and continue to inspire us and to see all uh, the ways that a city can transform itself for a more resilient future. Let's go for that future.
1: Expanding opportunities in transportation is the driving force of change from the violent Medellin of the 80s and 90s to the first recognised eco-city in Latin America. One of the lessons learned that the mayor highlighted was the priority of advancing the metro project as part of the resilient recovery plan. And the mayor remains committed to long-term projects and inspiring young people to look to the future. Stay tuned for the next episode, and don't forget to subscribe and listen for more insights from city practitioners and mayors from around the world.